Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC 221, Rockhold versus Romero, and Shaq. My boy Yoel's got a second crack at that belt here. Yeah, let's see if he can get it done. We know Luke Rockhold, the former champion, and I mean, the guy's got one of the best top games, one of the most well-rounded guys, but we know his flaw. It is that chin, and you know Yoel's strength, which is cracking chins. And we ain't even talking about my boy Michael Bisming either. What about uh, Tony Rubalcava? When uh, when Pillow Fist knocks you out, cold, stiff, and then some jobber in your second profile on the local scene, and, you know, shout-out to Bob Cook and the AKA team for taking that video down off YouTube. So. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't find it, but, you know, uh, Vitor Belfort swung that sledgehammer uh, heel kick, and uh, let's see if Yoel looks to recreate that history but real quick man you know last week in brazil a lot of people got the short end of the stick and you know we'll start off with us uh i'm not even gonna beat around the bush man we straight got fucked in the ass on that desmond green play because look we you said on the podcast shack you said preseris is gonna miss weight by a pound or two and uh you were wrong he didn't miss by a pound or two he missed by six pounds so right then and there we're like okay no big deal he's probably out of shape and then it comes out he gets a stipulation and he needs to weigh 173 pounds on fight day perfect that means you can't hydrate on fight day that means you can't be eating you can't be drinking water or nothing perfect he's gonna gas even quicker then an hour before the fight a report comes out that he's weighing 185 pounds on fight day. He's 30 pounds higher than Desmond Green. What a fucking cheater. Yeah, man. You know, we did bet it before. We we expected him to miss maybe by, you know, a pound, a pound and a half or something. But, you know, the fact that he missed by that much and outweighed us by 20 plus pounds on Th- fight 30 night, plus pounds. I mean, we weighed 163. He weighed 180. Between you and me, we weighed 200. <laughs> But, you know, it is what it is. You know, that first tie-up, I, I knew it instantly, like, fuck, we're in trouble. And uh, Tractor came to fight, but um, Tractor, his day will come. And let's see how he does that welterweight, because that's, what, three, four times in his last six fights? So. Now that he's missed weight again, you know, and they're not going to do him any favors. Tractor's in the fucking doghouse now. I say, <laughs> I say Michelle Prezeros versus Mike Perry. You know, let's welcome him to that welterweight division and get him knocked the fuck out. And, you know, Tractor, he got away with, you know, in Brazil, these guys are able to get away with their cheating and their, you know, to weaselness and uh he got away with it you know and it's such a joke because last week i was defending brazil i was saying that you know it's a myth that, that you know the judges decisions are, are bad over there and this and that and you know uh Maybe Colby Covington was right, man, because let's not even talk about us. Let's talk about the people that got fucked on that Anders bet. Let's talk about the people that bet Cheeto Vera, and uh, all of a sudden, Douglas Silva D'Andrade is juiced out of his mind, gets a steroid exemption, and doesn't even pop. I mean, we, we did reference that on the show last week. We said there is a chance all these Brazilians come in here juiced out of their mind, and the Douglas D. Silva, Silva D'Andrade that I saw, that guy is a top 15 guy. I mean, he put it on Cheeto. I mean, you could see those vitamins oozing out of him, that magma, and uh, he got away with it, and he got the job done. That was a great performance. I mean, imagine how Cheeto feels. You know, you watch this guy, Douglas Silva Andrade, on tape, Cardio and, you problems. know, he's old. He looks like shit on tape. You know, he gas tank for one round only. Then you go in there and fight him, and it's fucking TRT <laughs> Vitor, you know what I'm saying? And he ate all the shots, so props to Cheeto. Yeah, and also, for everyone that bet Anders, you know, people are trying to, now after the fact, everyone's trying to act like that was a square bet, and I disagree. Agree. Look, the reason Shaq and I pa- passed was because the line was a little bit too steep and because Andrews is a little green. But listen, y'all fucking won that fight, man. Y'all won that fight three rounds to two. So I feel terrible for everyone that bet Andrews in that spot. And you know, it's one thing when there's a fight that could go either way. But in my opinion, Shaq, you can have a close fight with a clear winner. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 
at the end of the day, we just want the right guy to win. Yeah, you know, and it just uh, it sucks for everyone that bet Anders. I feel for you guys, but the good news is now we're we're all the way across the world. We're in Australia, and now uh, it's time to make some money, man. Let's do this whole card start to finish. First up. We got Daichi Abe. He's minus 160, and the comeback on Luke Jumo is plus 140. Now, I know you got some choice uh, words for Luke Jumo, huh? You know, I max bet uh, Luke Jumo's last fight against Shinzo Anzai. I thought Shinzo was not UFC caliber. I didn't think he was on that level. You know, I kind of overestimated Luke Jumo's debut performance against Dom Steele. I mean... We already know what we refer to Dom Steele on the show. Uh, he's a jobber, and Luke barely squeaked past that fight. But, you know, the mindset I had going into that max bet was, well, you know, Core McGee struggled with this guy, Jumo, fucking picked him apart the last two rounds, you know, clearly. But um, his fight with An Anzai's defense, his striking defense was just ugly. You know, he's got one hand down thinking he's in the Philly shell, thinking he's Floyd Mayweather. And now he's getting tagged with punches. His takedown D was subpar and i mean uh anti got the job done now as far as daichi ib goes daichi's got a nice little slip and rip game inside the pocket like he's super long even though he's not the biggest welterweight i feel like he's got long arms and he knows how to play that distance game well um i think he's gonna touch luke jumo up here i think if luke jumo decides to stand in the pocket which is his strength i think daichi's gonna beat him and don't forget that daichi's a judo black belt we saw some takedowns in the hungu Lim fight i've seen some takedowns from him on the local scene in pancrase and uh i think he's gonna get the job done i think he's better in every aspect and i got daichi ib Luke Jumo, you know, he's got skills. The issue with him, you know, more so than criticizing his stance or him fighting with his hands down, I want to criticize his sense of urgency or lack of sense of urgency. You know, if it's one-to-one -one going into the third round, there's no guarantee he's going to pull that trigger in the third round and run away with it. And that's a quality I don't like when I'm trying to bet on someone. And with Daichi Abe, he's undefeated. So first L is right around the corner. But I'll tell you what, man, Daichi Abe, for a kid that was 5-0 to make his debut against a guy like Lim, who's been in there with everyone, and uh, he handled Lim exactly how you're supposed to, you know what I mean? It went to a decision, but I'll tell you what, he hurt Lim a couple times bad in that fight. And I've also seen Daichi Abe overcome adversity on the regional scene. I've seen him get dropped and come back and win those fights. So it's about, you know, did we overestimate Luke Jumo? Because, you know, in that UFC debut, yeah, he uh, did stuff the takedowns and did beat up Dom Steele. But the thing is, man... You know, you expect someone to come back better after that UFC debut, and he didn't come back better at all. So maybe that really is the level that he's on. So it's going to be an interesting matchup, and uh, I'm going to go with uh, Daichi Abe via close split decision. But I could see it going either way because this is in Australia, as you know. Next up in the bantamweight division, we got Jose Teco Quinones. He's minus 200, and the comeback on Teruto Ishihara is plus 170. So uh, Teruza dropping a bantamweight, man. I didn't expect that. Yeah, you know, a guy already with cardio problems at 145, dropping to 135, you know, on paper it doesn't sound good, but we'll see how he looks. Um, I'm expecting him to look super drawn out. Um, he's already a big featherweight. And one thing about my boy Jose Teco Quinones, I mean, the improvements that the guy has made since the Ultimate Fighter is amazing, you know. He went down to Alliance for a little bit, trained, and, you know, he picked up that... that Dom Cruz style, you know, bouncing up and down on the outside, not taking any stupid risk coming in. Granted, he's still, you know, a little chinny because my boy Davi Ramos, if you guys haven't seen, absolutely butchered him back on the local scene, and that's why he's a little chinny. And we know Teru's got a money left hand, but he only has a money left hand for about three minutes. After that three-minute mark, 
he completely changes. He's what we like to consider a front runner, you know. At the end of the first round of die, he's pumping up the crowd and he's, you know, trying to get the crowd involved after dominating that first round. And then what happened rounds two and three? He was looking for a way out. Now, granted, he was able to pull it out, but between you and me, between Rolando, Die, and Teru, we know who won it out of that fight. Fuck the low And the point deduction. You know, in it. I mean, Rolando Die put it on him, in my opinion. Granted, he kept kicking him low, you know, the Filipino tactics, but, uh, it is what it is. I think Teru's a front runner. I mean, when you when you get handed Gray Maynard, this is the reason why I didn't bet him against Gray Maynard. Well, he was coming off the Artem fight where he got completely broken. And then in the Gray Maynard fight, you would think, hey, this is the fucking easiest fucking featherweight. All you got to do is touch his chin. And what does he do? He doesn't throw. He gets taken down and he gets laid on and he quits. So I'm going with Jose. I think he's more efficient. I think he's got the better cardio. You know, Teru probably has a power advantage. But my boy Teko is not trying to slug and, uh, you know, throw big shots in the in the pocket, he's not on that. My boy Teko's on the point-fine game. He's looking to score points, and I think he does it. Yeah, you know, I'm completely off the Teruto Ishihara train. I did bet him against Gray Manor, and what a terrible bet that was, man. And, you know, you think, oh, this power puncher, all you got to do is touch Gray Manor once. He doesn't even touch Gray Manor once, Shaq. You know, he looked like Gray a... Gray Maynard beat him on the feet. It looked like a pro versus an amateur. And then, uh, you know, the Artem fight, uh, you know, he dropped him one time in the third round after getting dominated. And then two seconds later, he's on his back. That, that That's the kind of shit you don't want. I see a lot of people taking the shot on Teru because he's got the bigger name and he's the underdog. But my boy Teko's got that point fighting game down. You know, he's going to circle on the outside. He's going to pump that jab. You know, he's going to do his best dominant cruise impersonation. And uh, he's come a long way. And I'll tell you what, you know, people are saying, who the fuck? Because he beat, I'll tell you who the fuck he's beat. He beat Alejandro Perez. They fought twice. He beat him the first time. And if you go back and watch that second one between you and me, between Alejandro and Teco, Teco <laughs> won that fight. So I'm gonna go with Teco uh, via unanimous decision here. Lightweight division. We got Ross Pearson. He's minus 155, and the comeback on Mizuto Pugnus Hirota is plus 135. Now, Shaq, if you see plus money against Ross Pearson, are you obligated to take it? You know, it's definitely uh, very enticing. Granted, I wish the plus number was next to somebody else's name, you know, besides a guy that's what? What's his record in the UFC? 1-4-1, one, 1-5-1, one, one, something like that. And uh, look, Mizuto's tough. And, you know, it's funny. When he fought Cole Miller, a lot of people thought it was, he ain't going to beat Cole Miller. And what'd he do? He went out there and ha uh, handled Cole Miller. And Cole Miller was what? At the, the tail end. What is Ross at? He's at the tail end. What happened in Ross's last fight? He got knocked the fuck out. I don't think he knows what happened exactly. in his last what fight. What happened in that Masvidal fight in Atlanta where we were at? And we saw Ross think the fight was over after being concussed in that second round. I mean, the guy's got bad CTE. He's got bad brain damage. And he's not doing himself any favors. I mean, the guy keeps taking damage. Um, now, granted, he – I read an interview. He uh, – the last two camps – he didn't do in San Diego, so for this one, you know, that that was his excuse. He went back to Alliance and he, you know, hooked, uh, got linked back up with Eric, and uh, he thinks he's uh, coming ready. And, you know, granted, this would be the perfect opponent for him to get back on track considering Mizuto doesn't win fights, but don't uh, sleep on my that heart of my boy Mizuto because Volkanovski dropped him and wobbled him 100 million times. He still stayed in there. The Teru fight when he got wobbled 100 times in that first round and came back into make it a draw. And so I'm going to actually go with Mizuto in a little upset here. I think it's going to be, I think Ross is going to be having his way early. And then out of nowhere, boom. 
Oh, yeah, you think he's taking another canvas nap? Yes, sir. So uh, it's interesting, man. You know, like you mentioned, that Jorge Masvidal fight here in Atlanta. So second round, he gets dropped with a big left hook. Then at the end of the second round, you know, he gets up. He puts his hands up in the air as if the fight's over. He goes to Jorge's corner and gives him a hug. Jorge's like, bro, like, <laughs> we got one more round. The fight's not over yet. Jorge didn't even know. The Jorge wanted to give him a pat on the back to be like, it's okay, buddy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it'll be over soon, Ross. And then, uh, man, this dude can't even beat Will Brooks. And, uh, you know, the fight with Hooker, like, who cares how good he was looking early on? But between me and you, he wasn't looking good early on. But everyone's like, oh, he was looking good before he got caught. Yeah, but did you see how he got caught? He got caught and took a 10-minute canvas nap, you know? So uh, you don't just come back from one of those. And it was very recent also. You know, it wasn't that long ago. It was less than a year ago. You know, my boy Mizuto also got his life changed against the Volkanovski, but man, he kept popping back. He kept coming back from the dead. The dude's a fucking zombie out there. So I bet on Mizuto Hirota when he fought Cole Miller at like plus 110, you know, and uh, I think that this might this might be a good spot to take him too, man. He might uh, pull off this upset here. And you so know I'm- who else beat Ross Pearson? Cole Miller. Oh. <laughs> a little <laughs> MMA math, MMA trivia for y'all. But yeah, I'm going to go with Mizuto by, uh, by split. Flyweight division, Juicier Formiga. He's minus one twenty. The comeback on Ben Ten Wen is plus one hundred. Now you remember when they uh, used to call Juicier Formiga Juicier Da Silva before the Formiga, before the Fire Ant nickname came, and he was widely considered to be the number one flyweight on planet Earth. And uh, now uh, you know he's a top five guy in the world. So you think Ben Ten's going to rise to this occasion? You know, it's a tough fight because, you know, I've been super high on Ben 10. Me and you, we called his last fight against uh, Elliot. We felt like he was going to smoke Elliot, and he did. And, you know, the fight before that, the Gian Herrera fight, absolutely put it on Gian. Now, the smoke loss, I'm just going to go ahead and attribute it to, you know, it was the fight was in his hometown. He was super nervous. And Smoker was just riding a super momentum streak that couldn't be broke, couldn't be broken at the time. But he got fucked up, and this is a guy that's been knocked out how many times, Dan? Five or six. Five now. Granted, the first five or four were at bantamweight. When he actually made his UFC de- UFC debut, that was his flyweight debut. So he's only got what five, six fights at flyweight. But in terms of finishing ability at flyweight, I mean, Ben Ten is uh, on a different level because I mean, we saw what he did to Ryan Benoit, the hardest hitter in the flyweight division, and uh, he smoked Benoit like a missile. And uh, then um, his fight with Tim Elliott, you know, who people think is a top five guy and all this and that. So uh, Benton's super high level. The thing with that with his style is, granted, he's generally a first-round finisher. He likes to come out hard early, balls to the wall. And Formiga's not the type of guy you can do that against because you already know my boy Formiga's looking to score them points. He's looking to stay efficient, and he's looking to get takedowns and seal off the rounds. Now, granted, Formiga's generally a gatekeeper for guys like Borg and Dotson and these guys trying to challenge for the flyweight title, and he might play the same position here, but I'm going to actually go with Formiga. I think he stretches this fight out. I think Benson wins the first round, probably hurts him, but I think rounds two and three, Formiga weasels it out and uh, picks up a... Picks up a split decision in Ben 10's area. You know, he is an adopted Australian. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, man, because uh, I think you're right in terms of if this is a drawn-out fight, if this is a back-and-forth fight, I got Formiga. But if it's a earlier finish, I got Ben 10 because between you and me, as much as I like Ben 10, he ain't the kind of guy that goes out there and wins uh, back-and-forth decisions. He's, yeah, he's, he's kind of a front-runner. And, uh, 
you know, and I hate to call such a nice guy like that a front runner, but that's exactly what he is. And, you know, someone's going to be like, oh, but he beat Gene Herrera by decision. Yeah, he 30-26, the guy that has no business in the UFC. Congrats. But I'm saying, you know, if he gets dropped, don't expect him to come back. That That's what I'm trying to say yeah, here, Shaq. But with Formiga, it's like, if Formiga takes the back of Ben 10, I mean, we already saw what happened when Smolka took that back, son. So, uh, you know, don't be surprised if uh, Formiga goes out there and breaks him. But I also think there's a time when, you know, youth uh, – beats the vet man and i think that this could be that spot man so i'm actually gonna go with uh ben 10 in the first round and a half man i think he's gonna come out here and make a statement you know i think he's firing on all cylinders he put it all together he's seeing his mental coach which uh you know is a little red flag for people trying to bet on it but as far as just a straight pick you know i, I think he's in the best place mentally he's ever been and he's not going to make the same mistakes he made against smolka you know against smolka everyone full mount smolka in the first 10 seconds so when you do that you think oh I can just keep this fight on the ground and finish him. And that was a big mistake because you know that Smoker loves to scramble, loves to give bad positions, scramble out of them so he can get on top of you. But with Juicy A, you make one mistake like that and uh, he's going to choke you out. And I think Ben 10 knows that. I think he's going to keep it standing. He's the faster guy. I think he's going to blitz Formiga. I think he's actually going to come out here and hand Formiga his third knockout loss in the UFC. Now next up in the featherweight division, this one's going to be good. We got Alexander the Great Volkanovski. He's minus 220 and the comeback on Jeremy Kennedy is plus 180. Now, you know, I favored Alex to win, but I was actually very surprised to see a plus 180 next to Jeremy Kennedy's name, Shaq. Yeah, you don't. A guy, you know, on that level of Kennedy, you know, top prospect-ish at 145. You know, uh, this is a good example of long body frame versus short body frame. And you know what I've been saying on the show for a while. I feel like long body frame has the edge. You know, as long as both guys know what they're doing, as long as... As long as <laughs> Douglas Silva hasn't exactly, been injected exactly, by his doctor. Exactly, you know what I'm saying? As long as it's a fair playing field... Uh, I think long body frame has the edge. Now, granted, Kennedy, you know, he is very timid to exchange punches, which, you know, moving forward is not going to be a good thing. It might not be a good thing here. Granted, he's been able to get away with it, but the guy is definitely terrified to exchange punches on the feet because he's so strong in the types. He's so strong, you know, grinding on guys. And, you know, Volkanovski says he loves the grind. He says, and, you know, he's a former rugby player, and he probably does. The thing is, you know, if he can't find that shot, I'm telling you, Kennedy's not going to be looking to fight him. Kennedy's going to be looking to, you know, I didn't know he was a, you know, I think he's going to be looking to fight like a, a little bitch. He's going to be looking to, you know, hug up some legs, you know, tie him up. And uh, I think he might actually be successful. You know, that plus 180, I completely disagree. I think Volkanovski, if he can touch that chin, if he can touch that chin, then, you know, he might end it. But uh, don't get me wrong. I'm super high on Volkanovski, even though he didn't cash that uh, under two and a half for me. His last fight against Shane Young. The guy is one of the top prospects on 145. Hit super hard. He's got the right mindset. Got good cardio for a guy, you know, that stocky and short. But I'm going to go with Kennedy. I like the long body frame over the short body frame. I think he wins two rounds. I think he ties him up, you know, makes the crowd boo, gets Volkanovski frustrated and uh, weasels out a split. Look, if Volkanovski loses this fight, he better take plan B the very next day. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? Because he's going to get humped for uh, 15 straight minutes. But I think that Volkanovski is a super strong dude, and I think he can actually keep this fight upright. You know, I, I like Jeremy Kennedy's game a lot, even though it can be boring to some in terms of making money. He's a money maker. I mean, I, I cashed him against Honey Jason, and man, even Honey Jason went out there and dropped him, man. Even Honey Jason gave us some sketchy moments. And I think that. 
Jeremy Kennedy's striking defense is actually a liability here. You know, it might not be a liability when you're fighting fucking Kyle Bochniak. It might not be a liability when you're fighting Alessandro Ricci. Who the fuck is that guy? But when you're fighting Alexander Volkanovsky, here's where it actually matters. And I think that if he's not on his P's and Q's, if he's not on top of Volkanovsky in the first 10 seconds of this fight, if he tries to test his stand-up, I think he might take a canvas nap because this isn't a fight like Volkanovsky versus Shane Young where no one's ever heard of Shane Young and Volkanovsky better play this safe as fuck because if he even risks you know anything and takes an L against Shane Young that'll derail his entire career whereas here this is a big fight between two prospects both undefeated in the UFC and uh, someone's got to take that first UFC L man and I actually do think it's going to be Kennedy that takes that L I do disagree with the line a little bit. I think it should be a little closer. I think a guy like Kennedy is being disrespected here because if he's to win this fight, he's going to dominate on the mat. But I think somewhere along the way, Volkanovski is going to swing a big overhand right. He's going to catch the upright Jeremy Kennedy. I think he's going to put him down. So I'm going to go with uh, Alexander the Great Volkanovski. And after this fight, he's going to have a fucking serious record. Isn't he like about to be 17-1 and one if he wins this fight or something like that? You know what I'm saying? My boy uh, my boy Volkanovski has got yeah, a serious my record. Boy Kennedy wins. He's still undefeated. Yeah, you know, so. Uh, someone's got to take that first UFC L, and I can't wait to find out who. Middleweight division. We got Israel Adesanya. He's minus 365. The comeback on Rob Wilkinson is plus 305. Now, uh, you know... This is uh this could be the Muslim Salikov situation. It's just that Rob Wilkinson is not an Alex Garcia. You know, Rob yeah. Wilkinson, even though he's eleven and one, you see his record, he's got a great record, but uh when you saw his last fight against CR, I mean Rob Wilkinson's what we like to refer to as a jobber shack. Yeah, and you know, I feel like, you know, people parlaying Israel this time will get away with it and you know, I think they will be successful. I think Rob Wilkinson, I think he's a nice guy. I'm sure he's tough, but I don't think skill-wise he has what it takes to compete at this level, plain and simple. And, you know, this is going to be the perfect spot for Israel to do something flashy and, you know, be the, the new prospect on the block at middleweight. And we'll get to uh, catch him that second fight when he fights someone real. But I'm not even going to elaborate on this. I think Israel knocks him out in the first round. Yeah, you know, for those who have never seen Israel Adesanya fight before, you know, he's a former glory striker, former K-1 striker. Uh, the dude, uh... The dude can uh, make dudes look fucking stupid in there if they stand and bang with him. You know, question mark kicks, spinning kicks, flying knees, and, you know, he'll put his hands down, slip punches, knock you out with straights. You know, a very exciting striker to watch. But as you know, this ain't a K1 fight, Shaq. This ain't a glory fight, Shaq. This is a fucking UFC. This is a fucking MMA fight. So, you know, now now there's a ground game here. And uh, I don't know if you saw his fight with Melvin Gillard, but uh, my boy Melvin Gillard, who's a 55er, took the back of an 85er in Israel Adesanya. So if dudes like Melvin Gillard are taking your back... let Melvin even touch you on the mat? Like, that's pretty embarrassing. I mean, granted, he shook it off, but when guys like Melvin are hopping on your back, what's going to happen when guys in your actual weight class are hopping on your back? And look, Rob Wilkinson's a jobber, but he still went out there and took down C.R. Bahadurzada. <laughs> he took down C.R. Bahadurzada twice. So what I'm trying to say here, guys, is if he takes down Israel... There's no guarantee Israel's getting back up. Israel might be tapping that mat pretty soon. This might be the Muslim Salikov situation where, you know, the guy, oh, he's the king of spin. He's the this and that. And then he goes to the UFC and looks like total shit. But all that being said, you know, they're not giving him Alex Garcia here. They're giving him fucking Rob Wilkinson. I, I think it's going to be, a, you know, a question mark kick KO, but... Be very careful parlaying this guy. And also, if he wins this, let's say he gets a highlight reel knockout, look to fade him in his next coming fights because uh, you know what's one thing you need in the UFC, Shaq? 
A ground game. A ground game, motherfucker. Just like that jobber Khalil. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, Israel by knockout, but uh, look to fade him soon. All right. Headlining the prelims. Maestro Dong Young Kim. He's minus 140 in the comeback on Damian Beatdown Brown. Is plus 120. Now, man, they're always disrespecting my boy Beatdown Brown. You know, he's literally the dog in every single one of his UFC fights. And uh, you think he's going to get back on track here against the Maestro? Man, first thing. You know, Damian Brown's one of the most exciting fighters at lightweight. This is the reason why he's headlining the prelims, you know, even though he's coming off two losses because of his style. You saw that Frank Camacho fight. Even his fight with Pacheco, hey, he got caught, but make no mistake about it. He was touching Pacheco. He fought like a man. He fought like a man. You don't ever have to worry about Damian fighting like a pussy or a bitch. You know, he's going to fight. He's going to get in Maestro's face. Now, what it comes down to is what Maestro decides to do. Is Maestro looking to put on a fight of the night performance like how he did against Polo Reyes? Or is he looking to... You know, take the safe route, which we've seen from him in the past when he fought uh, O'Reilly, and uh, tie him up because Marshall's a huge lightweight. He's as big as they get. I mean, former welterweight. And, um, you know, he should have an advantage in the tie-ups. The thing is, you can... Damian Brown will never quit in a fight. He'll never get discouraged by getting tied up against the fence for a little bit or anything like that. The guy's going to be coming at him the entire time. Um... As far as the chin goes, I actually think my show's a lot chinnier. Granted, we've seen Damian knocked out. We've seen him rock. But those guys are fucking big fucking power punchers like Camacho, like Pacheco, who's got all his wins by knockout except his last uh, his last one. You know what I'm saying? These guys are big knockout artists. Um, Polo Reyes is a big knockout artist as well. But he was knocked out before exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So it's a Dom Steele softened up exactly. that chin. Yeah, so, you know, it's a tough fight, a fight that, you know, I'm going to definitely sit back and enjoy. Um, I'm going to go with Damian Brown and a little upset here. You know, a little home cooking split decision. I think that uh, my show will wobble several times in this fight, but I think he will be able to get, you know, one judge to score from just because he might get a takedown or a little tie up against the fence for a couple minutes. But I do think Damien will be able to consistently capitalize on touching Maestro's chin here. Maestro, his uh, last two fights hasn't gone through any adversity. They've been clean, smooth sailing. You know, he got that easy. You ain't fighting Gomi anymore. <laughs> he got that easy, smooth sailing fight his last time. I don't know how I didn't put my whole fucking account on that shit. But, you know, um, he hasn't been going through adversities uh, these last two fights. He's going to have to go through some adversity for this one. And I think uh, Damien pulls it out. Yeah, my boy Beatdown Brown's due for a win here. And, you know, I hate saying due for a win or this or that, but I think it's a good matchup for him. Look, you just got to avoid getting uh, humped by the much larger guy. That's the bottom line. But I do think that, you know, my boy Maestro's got some spirit, man. If you, if you stand and bang with a guy like Maestro, he's going to throw he's back. Answer, but they stay conscious. Yeah, you know, exactly. He's been knocked out twice brutally in the UFC. And the first time against uh, Dominique Steele, you know, he got slammed KO. But then the next time against Polo Reyes. Polo Reyes has vicious KO power, and he Rock. He he might have ended Dong Young Kim's chin. So you know, that's why he's been fighting. That's why he had to fight like that against. O that's why he had to fight like that against O'Reilly. So now uh, Beatdown Brown's got the chance to go out there and seal the deal because you know. Maestro's chin hasn't been tested since the Polo Reyes fight. You know, he laid on Brendan O'Reilly, and he knocked out Gomi quick. If you don't knock out Gomi <laughs> quick, you don't belong in the UFC. So, Don't tell that to my boy Yachi down there in Ryzen. <laughs> hey, he got rid of him quick, too. <laughs> he had to go through some shit, but he got rid of him quick, too. 
man, if y'all haven't seen uh, Yachi versus Gomi, go watch that shit. Because my boy Gomi came back with a vengeance. Still lost in the first round, <laughs> but he came back with a vengeance. You know, and they let him take his supplements over there in Japan. But look, I think Damian Brown is going to be the first guy that cha- that really challenges Maestro Kim since the Polo Reyes fight. I think he's going to come out here. I don't think he's going to go all three, Shaq. I think he's going to knock out Maestro Kim. So I'm going to go with uh, Damian Beatdown Brown here for the win. Pay-per-view. Oh, man. So they're charging for it. Listen, man. I got no issues laying down the 60 bucks for Luke Rockhold and Yoel Romero and one of these other fights, but bro, when you got when this is the first fight of the pay-per-view, yeah, for Yoel and Luke, I get it, but for this shit right here, fucking Tyson Pedro's minus 290, bro. The comeback on Saperbeck Safarov is plus 245. Now, I got a quick question for you. Who the fuck is Tyson Pedro? Some guy that beat jobbers, Khalil Roundtree, who has no ground game. You know, Khalil floors him and then gets taken down literally a second later. And then Paul Craig, I mean, do I even have to say anything about that? You know what I'm saying? Hey, my boy Paul Craig did take care of uh, Enrique De Silva, though. But uh, Paul Craig sucks. <laughs> he took care of him easier than Gokan Saki did. But uh, he didn't need a punch. <laughs> but uh, the thing is with, the, with Tyson Pedro, I don't think he should. I think he's super overrated. The guy is what? Five and one, six and one, something like that. He's only got seven fights. And, you know, beating Khalil, you know, who I just saw get his ass beat by, you know, uh, a, a, middleweight, welterweight. <laughs> you know, a middleweight pole. Granted, that pole was really good, and he'd probably beat the shit out of Pedro as well. Too bad he popped. But, um, and then, uh, Craig, like I said, he ain't, he ain't done shit. He ain't beat nothing for him to be lying this high. Now, granted, you know, Cyberback did get knocked out by John Vellante. And, you know, prior to this fight being announced, my thoughts on it were those bums those jobbers both those guys suck but when you actually watch the fight my boy cyberbeck throws big fucking haymakers big overhand rights big left kicks to the body and you know granted he he didn't have two legs for that fight he only had one and you know i would i would be very considered in cyberbeck if i was more confident that he can stand on two legs because i've seen him in the local scene it seems like he's having knee issues or some type of leg issue granted he wins those fights on the local scene he was undefeated on the local scene but in the ufc gonna be uh it's going to be tough to win fights on one leg, so I'm going to go with Tyson, but don't get me wrong, I would not be shocked in the slightest if Saperbeck knocked him out or edged out a decision here, because I ain't sold on Tyson Pedro, not in the slightest. I'm not sold on Saberbeck, but plus two, plus 245 for a guy that's way more experienced, faced his first defeat, well, Pedro faced his first defeat, but... <laughs> It's just a it's a different experience of a guy who I think has better wrestling than Pedro. I mean, we saw Pedro get, you know, a little humped here. Granted, he, he, he didn't fight bad, but, I mean, he wasn't on Latifi's level. You know what I'm saying? And Latifi's a fringe top 15 guy. Now, Cyberbeck will probably never touch that top 15 line, but I just think the fight's way off in terms of the line. Uh, I think Pedro will edge out a, probably edge out a decision here, but... I will not touch Pedro at all. You know, I see people max betting Tyson Pedro. What the fuck has Tyson Pedro done? He beat the two absolute worst fighters on the roster, and now he's a fucking minus 300 favorite here against a Russian. Look, and I know the Russian tore his ACL in his fight against John Volante, and I know it looks ugly. You look at his record. Oh, he lost to John Volante by finish, but he had fucking one leg in that fight, man. He tore his ACL in the middle of that fight, but the thing is, man, he might be kind of old. He might be getting up there in age. You know, this might be his swan song and his hurrah. I wish they were giving me a younger, fresher Russian, because then I'd then it might be max best season, man, because I think Tyson Pedro fucking sucks, bro, and I've said that from the start. I, I don't understand the hype whatsoever. They made him a top 15 guy. They ranked him ahead of Jan 
Blankovich, hey, you know what? Jan Blankovich finished Alir Latifi in the first round. This motherfucker, Tyson Pedro, can't even win a second of a round against Alir Latifi. So, you know, I think the rankings are a complete joke. Well, I, Jan Blankovich lost a shit ton of fights after that. That's why the rankings are. Yeah, you know, <laughs> guys that would beat fucking uh, Tyson Pedro. Who, who the fuck is Tyson Pedro, man? He's a joke. He beat Khalil Roundtree, who isn't even a 500 fighter. Shaq is a below 500 fighter, Shaq. And he beat Paul Craig, who might literally be the worst fighter on the UFC roster. So I, I think that Tyson Pedro hype train is a complete joke. Granted, I wish you guys luck. I, ho I hope you go out there and win this bet because, uh, you know, my boy Saperbeck, he has been dealing with those knee injuries, but... I'm rooting for my boy Saperbeck here, man. I, I hope my boy Saperbeck shows that Russian pride, that Russian spirit, that Russian power goes out there and knocks out the fucking totally overhyped jobber that is Tyson Pedro. So I'm going to go with Saperbeck, yeah. Saperov. Another thing is they're, they're totally, uh, they got my boy's first name wrong. It's actually Saperbeg with a G. Because, you know, I tried to look him up on Instagram and I was typing in that K and it wasn't coming up. And then when I actually looked into it, it's actually a G instead of a K at the end. And uh, he's been training for this fight. Just put it that way. In the States, too, actually. Look, if he's got two legs, yeah. then he can come out here and win this fight. It's just, yeah. does he have two legs? <laughs> you know, can he stand exactly. on his own? You know, it's uh, it's tough to call, man. So, you know, good luck to anyone betting a fight like that. But this one, I'm excited for this one, man. You know, a nice little heavyweight clash. Tai Tuivasa is minus 310. The comeback on Cyril Asker is plus 255. Now they're bringing in the French jobber to take a canvas nap here. And, you know, Tai Tuivasa in his UFC debut, granted he did fight, you know, a total bum in Rashad Coulter. <laughs> I mean, let, let me tell you what kind of bum Rashad Coulter is. Chase Sherman knocked this guy out, Shaq, okay? But that being said, Tai Tuivasa, he does have a little bit of that Mark Hunt game going. You know, he's very smooth with his striking. He likes to have fun out there. He likes to throw that left hook. I'm thinking a first-round knockout, but don't get me wrong. If this uh, French jobber gets on top of him, we haven't seen Tai Tuivasa on his back yet. And by the way, Tai Tuivasa is not undefeated, by the way. You know, I don't know what's up with his record, but I clearly saw him fight Peter Graham. You know my boy Peter Graham from Bellator. And uh, Peter Graham made him quit. Just put him that way. Legitimately quit. You know, Tai Tuivasa teed off on him at first. And then when he the heavyweight got tired, you know, he looked for a way out. And Peter Graham gave him a way out. And um, I don't know why it's not on his record. You know, the Australians probably covered it up, acted like it never happened. But granted, I do think he comes out here. I think, you know, things may start a little slow at first. But eventually, I think he will knock the Frenchie out. Now, Cyril Asher, I actually watched his fights. You know, I was under the impression he was a, a bum job. I mean, he kind of is. But... He's got some he's got some nice little forward pressure, man. You know, he likes to get in his opponent's face right off the bat and likes to play the, the hand game. And uh if he can pull off this upset, that'll be a big upset, you know, to start off the as far as upsets uh since the start of the year, that'll be a pretty big upset because Tuivasa's got a lot of hype on him. I think he gets the job done though. Um I actually think the guy is good, but he ain't undefeated. So uh you're not gonna pick the guy from France, I assume. You already, you already know how I feel about that country, bro. No offense to any... Uh, <laughs> no offense to my boy Nordine. <laughs> oh, yeah, my boy Nordine's solid over here in GSP. They're solid, but you know you know my thoughts on that country. <laughs> so, uh, look, man, I, I, I'm thinking uh, Tai Tuivasa uppercut, a left hook, but if this fight hits the mat, we have no fucking idea what Tai Tuivasa looks like off his back, and I know Cyril Asker is going to look to get him there, so there's a lot of question marks for a guy that's minus 310. He's only had one UFC fight. It was against the worst heavyweight, so, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with Tai Tuivasa because I like his striking technique better, but you know what I'm saying. I, I would recommend you pass from a fight like that. Now, this fight has had some interesting line movement. 
lightweight matchup, excuse me, welterweight matchup. We got Li Jingliang. He's minus 165, and the comeback on Jake Matthews is plus 145. Now, I was going to say it's the best Chinese welterweight versus the best Australian welterweight, but, uh, I mean, is Jake Matthews the best Australian welterweight? I think so. Man, that's a... Australia need to step up their welterweight game, you know what I'm saying, man? Because uh, that's the, if that's the best Australian welterweight. The talent in Australia is getting better, but uh, if Jake Matthews is your best welterweight, it still shows that they got room to grow, man. And, you know, Jake Matthews, I, I think he's what we like to refer to as a hype job. You know, he comes into the UFC, you know, he's the Celtic kid, and, you know, he's 20, 20 years old. And, it was cute. You know, it, it was fun while it lasted. He beat Deshaun Johnson. Congrats. We never heard about that guy again. I'm talking about my boy, he, Flyboy. He, like he beat Wagner Hosha. Uh, <laughs> who, who the fuck is Wagner Hosha? You know, and then... Uh, then he had to fight James Vick, and he got a reality check. So everyone, go to Fight Pass, watch James Vick versus Jake Matthews. This is what happened. You know, Jake Matthews, you know, he spammed a couple punches and landed them. And then uh, he got he went for his takedown, and as soon as Vick got up from the takedown, you see the facial expression of Jake Matthews, and he's like, oh, fuck. Like, we're in a fight now? Like, this isn't going to be smooth sailing like all the last jobbers I fought? Because, you know, prior to him fighting Deshaun Johnson and... Uh, Wagner Hosha, he fought a bunch of bums on the Australian regional scene with losing record check. So, you know, and then he fought Deshaun and Wagner, and then he fights Vic, and Vic, you know, taught him a fucking lesson. Once Vic got up from that takedown, flying knee to Guillotine City, and uh, he fucked his ass up. Then, you know, they, they give him a, a total rebound fight. They're like, you know what, man, you weren't ready for Vic. Let's give you Akbar Areola, a guy who was 1-4 in the UFC, a guy who, you know, we're about to cut anyways, but let's just give you, you know, you're a minus 1,000 favorite. Akbar Areola goes out there and knocks him out with a head kick and almost, uh, and wakes him back up with the follow-up, and then, you know, Jake Matthews was able to get a cut stoppage in between rounds. Then he fights Johnny Case, and, you know, He's down two rounds on all judges' scorecards, and he comes back and uh, he wins the third round with 25 seconds left against Johnny Case, who, let me remind you, Johnny Case is fighting my friend Brandon Longano on the regional scene next month in North Dakota, Shaq. And then he comes back, and uh, they're like, you know what, man? Let, let's, uh, let's make you a favorite against Kevin Lee. He's minus 185 against Kevin Lee. Let's bring Jake Matthews out to Vegas. You know, he took his 1L against Vic. He rebounded. Let's fly, the, let's fly the Australian prospect out to Vegas. He gets taken down, and he gets pounded out right away. I mean, he broke against Kevin Lee in a way that we haven't seen in a long time. So then they're like, you know what? We haven't given up on this prospect yet. Let's... Uh, Let's give him the worst fighter on the UFC lightweight roster, Andrew Holbrook, a guy who gets knocked out by guys like T-Belt Gowdy, a guy that gets knocked out by literally anyone you put him in there against. Let's give him the worst guy, and let's get him a highlight reel win on the main card in Australia, co-main event. And uh, what happened, Shaq? Andrew Holbrook wins a split decision in Australia. And it was due to the fact that Jake Matthews is another guy like Kennedy. I'm not saying he's not as terrified as Kennedy to exchange because... The guy is athletic. He is, you know, he's got a very athletic build. He is fast. He is, you know, agile. It's just the fact that he doesn't have confidence in his hands, you know. I think he's, his hands aren't bad at all. I just think that he's maybe, you know, worried about getting hit. He's not confident in his chin. You know, his dad always gets on him in the corner telling him, why are you throwing like that? Where are my, where are my fast punches? Why are you throwing yourself into these grappling situations? Now, he got away with it against Boyan because Boyan's a flake. Boyan always loses. Boyan's two and five in the UFC. Exactly. Boyan's a flake. You know, we were completely wrong about that guy. That guy don't belong. You know what I'm saying? And 
when when I say Jake was given that fight, he was given that fight because you know the first round, you know he just hugs Boyan's leg and then Boyan just gives up eventually and goes to his back and accepts it. And then round two, Boyan completely dominates him. You know, he should have finished him. And then the third round, you know, Jake's literally giving you the fight. He goes right after his dad tells him, "Where's my fast hands?" Yells at him in the corner. He comes back out and throws, goes right in for the uh, takedown again. And you know, granted, Boyan did some stupid shit, tried to take that back, and he fell off, and he lost the and he lost the fight. And uh, you know, as far as Lee Jingliang goes, you know, he's got a reputation for being a guy that's chinny, or you know, he gets rocked in the first round of every fight. But what people are failing to realize is. Look at the guys that that's against. Now, people would say, Bobby Nash? Bobby Nash can't win a fucking UFC fight. That was Bobby Nash's debut where Lee fought him. He fought the best version of Bobby Nash. He fought the fresh version of Bobby Nash. The Bobby Nash that actually had somewhat of a chin. And, you know, after eating... And we know Bobby Nash is a fucking D1 wrestler powerhouse that's got a money left hook. It's just that he can't take a punch after my boy Lee, you know, ruined his life. And uh, my boy Lee stood in the fire with, you know... A calmness that not too many people have. I mean, he ate his shots and he dished them out and he systematically broke Bobby Nash down. Then what did he do against Frank Camacho? Another guy just like Bobby Nash in, in a way, you know, big fucking punches early, throwing big haymakers. What my boy do? He ate him, didn't get dropped at all. He ate him, you know, he got taken out once, but he got right back up and it was with a trip, not a double leg. Matthews doesn't have trips. He just goes straight for double legs against the fence. And my boy Lee stuffs takedowns against the fence, every single one. So, uh... When he gets when he goes to his back, it's because he's getting dropped, most likely. Like when he fought Keitaro. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, he got subbed by Keitaro. But if you would have seen the corner that uh, my boy Keitaro turned to hop on that back, then you would have. Uh, Jake Matthews is not capable of that, in my opinion. Now, granted, Jake Matthews is athletic. Athletic. Lee gets caught early. But, you know, in Lee's last fight, he didn't get caught early. He fought a point fighter his last fight against Otto, a guy that's looking to do something similar like Matthews. Stay on the outside, look pretty, and spam a couple punches and, you know, stay on the outside. And my boy Lee didn't make any mistakes in that fight, and he, he saw what he did to Zach Otto. So I'm going to go with my boy Lee here. Like I said, I think he's got uh, he's got it up here, up in the head. He's uh, more tougher mentally, in my opinion. I think he can stuff the takedowns. I actually think he's got better wrestling than Jay Matthews. Who took down Nordin four times? Lee Jingliang. Exactly. Nordin Taleb, a guy that you already see what my boy Nordin's doing out here. Uh, my boy Lee arguably won that fight, but you know the fight was in Nova Scotia, Canada, in Nordin's backyard, and uh, he got well, this. This is in Jake's backyard. Exactly. So we can't keep this thing close. And I, but thing is, Jake's not anywhere near Nordin's level. And I think uh, we'll break the kid by mid-second round. And uh, I think we'll get him out of here in the beginning of the third. Yeah, look, this is a situation where people are under the impression that Jake Matthews is this hot prospect and this and that. He ain't shit. You know, he likes to spam a couple overhands and then dive on your legs. And, you know, if you're a Bojan fucking Velichkovich who's 2-5 and five in the UFC, then you're probably going to get taken down after a long struggle. He didn't get taken down easily, Shaq. He actually fought for those. And I feel for everyone that bet on Bojan in that fight, man, because, uh, you know, it was a very close, uh, very close decision that could have gone their way. But, you know, Boyan just gave that shit away in the last minute of the fight and that's something that Li Jingliang is not going to do because the big difference here you know we can talk about the athleticism we can talk about this and that we can talk about the home advantage but the biggest difference in this fight is the fighting spirit and fighting heart between the two competitors and Li Jingliang trumps Jake Matthews in that department all fucking day he's so much mentally stronger he has a will to win he's there to actually fight Jake Matthews isn't there to fight Jake Matthews is uh there to hump your leg and you know that 
that comes uh that that pays off from time to time if you're betting on Colby Covington, but this ain't Colby Covington. This ain't a D1 wrestler. This is this is a guy who's 23 years old and has already had a million hip surgeries and all the all this shit. And uh you saw that deep sprawl my boy Li Jing Liang had against uh, Bobby Nash, man. That was a serious sprawl. And his, uh, his offensive takedown game ain't bad either. Who else hits my boy Nordin Taleb with a head and arm throw? You know what I'm saying? He suplexed David Mashad, who is a you know state champion wrestler. And, uh, you know, I, I just feel like this is one of those spots where I'm surprised about the back and forth. I think there's back and forth because it's in Australia. Tons of Australians uh, are betting on their boy Jake Matthews. And shout out to you know all our all our friends in Australia, man. You know some of the nicest people we know. But I think Li Jingliang is about to come out here and uh, spoil those plans for for Jake Matthews. You know I think this is one of those spots where Sean Shelby was like, all right. We put Jake Matthews on every Australian card anyways, and we used to bring him in jobbers so that he could beat them, but the guy really ain't shit. He ain't the prospect we thought. Uh, he's boring as fuck to watch. Why, why don't we bring in our boy Li Jingliang, who's actually been super exciting, is in there with the fucking guys that throw hard. Let's, uh, let's bring him in to win against Jake Matthews because you saw that fight with Frank Camacho Frank Camacho throws concussive blows in that first round <laughs> Frank Camacho <laughs> would get Jake Matthews out of there in that first round these are like real wars Jake Matthews doesn't like a real war and you know Jake Matthews who he is and who his father wants him to be are two completely <laughs> different people you know his father wants him to be you know this guy who throws these Watch big it. bombs and all these things and Jake Matthews just wants to hug on, on your leg and then go home afterwards you know his dad in between rounds is all like Jake you good you good he's like I'm good and he's like you don't look like you're good what's going on Jake you know and uh, his dad talks to him his dad is so condescending in that <laughs> corner it's just a you know, it's like he's forced to fight or something, man. You know, so I feel bad for Jake Matthews. I'm gonna feel worse when he takes this canvas snap uh, by my boy Li Jing Liang. So I'm gonna go with Lee here uh, by knockout. Co-main event in the evening. Curtis Blades. He's minus one sixty-five, and the comeback on Mark Hunt is plus one forty-five. Now, Shaq. I mean, we know Mark Hunt's history against wrestlers ain't the best. Uh, you saw that fight with Brock Lesnar. Brock's coming off a ten-year layoff and still manages to take him down. Granted, uh, my boy Brock was juiced out of his mind. Oh yeah, he got a, he got a fucking steroid exemption for that fight. You know what I'm saying? But Mark Hunt's get-up game actually has improved. Not his takedown defense, but his get-up game has improved. You know, he did uh, get up a couple times uh, in some of his fights recently, but now he's taking on a guy in Curtis Blades who, you know, he does have a serious wrestling pedigree. It's just, you know, for heavyweights, they do better when they're in their late 30s, early 40s. My boy Curtis Blades is 26. He's just a kid. He's got a lot of ass weapons to take. <laughs> Man, he's going to be real punch drunk by the, by the <laughs> time it's all, all said and done. Do you think he's going to rise to this occasion? Oh, man. Curtis Blades, you know, his only losses to Nganu where, you know, he did what a lot of people weren't able to do besides, you know, Stipe, which is eat the shots. Everyone else couldn't eat the shots. And uh, my boy Curtis Blades ate the shots. It's just that, that, that I was so fucked up that he couldn't continue to fight. But the thing that I like about Curtis Blades compared to a lot of younger heavyweights put in this position, like, for example, Black Beast. And, you know, I actually thought Mark Hunt was going to win that fight. Well, granted, because Black Beast is a quitter, in my opinion, he's not mentally tough. But Curtis Blades knows what his strengths are. He's not going to get away from his strengths. You already know my boy Curtis. If the second he gets in trouble, you already know what's coming, that blast double. And I think he will be able to take down Mark Hunt at least enough to seal off rounds and win a decision here. But I think that uh, Curtis Blades actually gets a finish here. I think he uh, 
gets a, you know, full mount or something, ground and pound. But uh, I like Curtis Blades' attitude. You know, I, I went back and forth on this fight thinking, you know, Hunt was going to sleep him just because he's got that experience. But the way Curtis talks, the way his mindset is, I like where his head's at. He knows what his strengths are. He knows that he needs to wrestle. So he's not going to test his stand-up, and he's got good people around him. You know, he trains with Magni. He trains at the Elevation Fight Team with guys like Dober and uh, that kid Sanhagen. You know what I'm saying? They they know exactly what to do. Don't, don't make that face about my boy Sanhagen. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, they know exactly what the plan is, and I think he will stick to that plan and at least get a win. Yeah, I mean, look, if Curtis Blades comes out here and tries to test his stand-up, uh, you know, he might eat a big left hook and take a canvas nap. But yeah. if he's smart, if he knows that, look, all I got to do is drive through this guy, blast double him, get him down, keep him down, who gives a fuck if the Australian crowd is booing, then Curtis Blades should win this fight. It all comes down to fight IQ and execution, man. You know, like I said, come out here, take this dude down. You might get an easy win. But, you know, if uh, Mark Hunt starts getting up from some of these takedowns and... Yeah, uh, Curtis is going to shit himself. If Curtis is huffing <laughs> and puffing, because, you know, my boy Daniel Omelanchuk, uh, he he dragged out the three. There was an See, under one and a half the, in that fight. You know, a lot of... You know, people think that, you know, he, he didn't look the best, but that's what happens when you're early in your career. You know, you show up sometimes and you look flat and you look like shit. It happens when you're only, how many fights does he have? 10, 11? He's 26 years exactly. old. Exactly. The kids, the kid, when he made his UFC debut, was fighting, uh, training out of a UFC gym. You know what I'm saying? So I think. Uh, My I boy think Mike he, Perry trains out of a UFC gym. But it's, it's a different, like, he said that he was, like, training jujitsu, like, once a week, like, <laughs> sparring with, like, these bums. You know what I'm saying? So I think he's come a long way and I think he gets the biggest win of his career. And I think he, you know, moves forward into being in that title top. Yeah, look, it's just about Curtis. You got to keep this fight on the mat, kid. You know, <laughs> you, you have to hug his leg. Yeah, make the crowd boo, yeah. and you'll win this fight, buddy. Main event of the evening: Luke Rockhold. He's minus one forty-five. The comeback on Yoel Romero is plus one thirty-five. Now, before we talk about the fight itself, I want to talk about the line movement. They open my boy Yoel minus one ninety. Currently, he's plus one thirty-five. Uh, I believe that's the definition of value, Shaq. 100%. Um, I understand, you know, Luke Rockholds, he's got a lot of fans. He's probably, you know, in terms of top game in the UFC, he's top one, two in the, you know, up there with Khabib. And I mean, when he gets on top, we know what happens. Fight's over. I mean, plain and simple. Fight's over when he gets on top. Can he get on top of Yoel? I think there's a chance he does because, you know, in that fifth round against Rob, my boy Yoel was getting tripped. He was not flopping, but, you know, Rob would push him and he would go to his back. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, little tie-ups like that and uh, if he does that with Luke make no mistake about it he's gonna get elbowed and he's gonna get finished now the thing with Luke is I think honestly in terms of skills besides boxing I think Luke's the best middleweight I'll honestly say that I think he's the best middleweight I don't think anyone can get up from uh can get up from bottom when he's on top of you I think his kicks are super hard and can break anyone down you already know the deal with Luke you touch that chin clean one good time and he will wobble I mean the guy when he boxes he can't box one you know what I'm saying he thinks he can box but he can't box so anytime he boxes he gets overexcited. he gets over eager he ends up exposing himself too much because he doesn't know when to relax and he gets caught now granted he gets away with it for the most part in most of his fights like how he did his last fight against Branch you know he tried to stand up with Branch and Branch uh came at him and uh, he got wobbled and granted he hold, he you know survived just because branch ain't branch doesn't operate at the frequency my boy yoel does you know what i'm saying if yoel has him in that spot luke better hope to god he can stay conscious but as far as betting i feel like this might be a spot where if you're betting on yoel you're waiting on a punch 
You know what I'm saying? You're waiting five rounds to land one punch. Can he do it consistently for five rounds? Personally, I don't think so. I think it has to be a flash KO. I think it has to be, you know, putting Luke out cold on the canvas. And if he doesn't, I think Luke's going to win. So I'm going to go with Luke, actually. I'm going to go the opposite way, man. I'm going to go with you, Al Romero, because, you know, you made the example of the fifth round against Rob Whitaker. Well, you know, you know what they had to get through to get to that fifth round? It was absolute war, man. Both guys were eating heavy shots, and I don't think that's something that Luke Rockhold's capable of, man. I think he didn't it, go through war against Wyman? Who? Luke? Yeah, but Wyman threw a fucking spinning kick like an idiot, got taken and down the, once, and he the, didn't get up. But that was a war in the lead-up to that. Yeah, bro. Robert Whitaker, Chris Weidman should not be compared because Robert Whitaker would sleep Chris Weidman in the first round. Yoel Romero is going to sleep Rockhold in the first round because you know th- there's not going to be no back and forth where Luke eats big shots and comes back. Luke cannot eat a big shot and come back. Ask ask my boy Tony Rubalcava if Luke can eat a big shot and come back. Ask my boy TRT Vitor if Luke can eat a big shot and come back. Ask my boy Michael Pillowfist Bisbang. If Luke can eat a big shot and come back. Should we ask Dave Branch that? (laughs) Dave Branch? You know how much punching power Dave Branch has? Dave Branch couldn't even knock out Vinny Magalies. Okay? Anthony Peroche knocked out Vinny Magalies in 16 seconds. Dave Branch has no KO power whatsoever. But Yoel does have KO power. And Yoel, it's not just in the first round. He has the most third-round knockouts in UFC history. So if this fight extends, uh, don't be surprised if he gets that third-round knockout. But the thing is... I don't think that Luke Rockle can withstand that shot, you know, and I, I hate to sit here and say, oh, fighters are chinny because, look, it's four-ounce gloves. Anyone can go down. It doesn't matter who you are, but I do believe he's chinny, and I believe he's going to get caught out of nowhere. I think Yoel's going to lull him into that false sense of security. He's going to act like he's doing nothing, maybe sidekick a leg once or twice, and then when he swings with that big right hook, good night, Irene. I think that head's going to bounce off that canvas, and E Nuevo, I think my boy uh, Yoel Romero is finally going to touch UFC gold, so I got Yoel Romero for the upset here. And uh, props to Luke, man, because uh, he was good while his run lasted. You know, he was a he was a good champ, even though he never even defended the belt. He was a good champ, even though he got knocked out by Michael Bisming in the first round. But now uh, I'm excited about, you know, I don't want to look ahead, but, I, you know, I think Romero versus uh, Whitaker 2 will be a very good fight, just like the first one. So I'm going to go with Romero via first-round knockout. Normally, we'd hit up Big Marley here for the Big Marley Minute, but, you know, as we mentioned last week, you know, they found out he was in that finals of the DraftKings tournament. They extended it a week. You know, they're trying to throw my boy off his game, but now it's finally official. He's in the finals this weekend, and uh, he can't be giving out any tips whatsoever because, you know, uh, the the players that are playing against them are tuning into this podcast. They want to know what my boy Big Marley's thinking, and I, I applaud him, man. I don't think he should be talking about, uh, I don't think he should be revealing anything because, uh, between you and me, he's about to come out with this number one spot this weekend. Yeah. Uh, go Big Marley for the win. Uh, just, you know, Big Marley's going to do – he's a three-time world champion. I mean, he does this on the rig, so I'm, I'm confident he gets the win. I am as well. And, you know, before we talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch, we've been telling everyone that listens to this show – that UFC Austin, which is coming up next week, they have to sign up for our VIP package for that event, man, because uh, you've been saying it for a long time. You've been eyeing this one spot for a long time, and uh, now it's finally coming into fruition. I know everyone's like, oh, you guys are only going to bet James Vick, and don't get me wrong. I think James Vick is going to win, but that's not the opportunity we've been talking about this whole time, right, Shaq? Look, James Vick fought Joe Duffy, and he was underdog money his last fight. I didn't bet it because I had a 
continuing to play on Randy Brown, and something similar might happen when uh, Vic uh, happen, fights next weekend. But UFC Austin, you guys got to sign up at bestfightpicks.com. It's a big weekend. Not only is it UFC Austin, we got Titan the day before. We got Bellator the day before. It's a big weekend. Sign up now. We're running a promotion right now. You get a discount. And uh, it's just going to be smooth selling from here, in my opinion. USC Austin was the event that we've been looking forward to. Exactly. Big opportunities on it. And I did cash that plus 180 on Vic versus Duffy. But he, I have a feeling he's not going to be the underdog in this spot. And look, I'm picking him to win. But the big opportunity we've been talking about for a long time is not Mr. Vic. Because I know everyone's going to be like, oh, your big play for Austin must be Vic, right? Might even fucking have to give a Vic play for free. You know what I'm saying? Just so you all know that uh, this max bet we've been talking about for a long, long time. It's something... Uh, it's not even what you're thinking, you know what I'm saying? It's not even what you're thinking. So, you know, if you think it's uh, Cowboy or Medeiros, uh, you, you might have another thing coming. Like I said, you're dealing with guys that are 100% dedicated to this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's all we care about, UFC, MMA, how to find ways to get you guys on track and make money. Granted, you know, last week it is what it is, but that's not going to happen too often. I think we're about to go on a hot streak here, bro. I do too. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, you look at my three-year track record and, you know, people are shitting on me, oh, because I lost one month. What's one month in four years? Uh, like that, that's, what, that's what I'm wondering here, man, because, you know, if you don't know how to rebound from a loss, then you shouldn't be in this game, Shaq. If you can't handle a loss in this game, if you can't handle, you know, losing a controversial split decision and you, and you get flustered and you want to change your strategy just like that right off the bat, then that's up to you. You're going to keep getting your results. But, you know, I feel like if you stick with my plan and, you know, our, you know, strategy – Long term, the job will be done. A hundred percent. You know, when you look at my numbers this time next year, and I'm up way ahead of all these motherfuckers, then you let me know what's up. You know, because I know everyone's like, "Oh, you go tout and then you crash and burn." It's been one month. It's been one month. Does that discredit the three years I had with a winning record? I don't think so, Shaq. And I don't think it's going to discredit this upcoming year I'm about to have that uh, is going to be super hot starting this weekend. But UFC Austin especially. So make sure you go to bestfightpicks.com, go to maxbetseason.com, and sign up today. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC 221? My fight to watch is going to be uh, Damian Brown versus Dung Young Kim, man. I think uh, Damian Brown brings it every single time. How could that not be the fight to watch? You know what I'm saying? The guy's going to – he's willing to die in that cage. I think he gets it done against Maestro Kim, and we know Maestro Kim – if he chooses to sand and bang with Damien, it will be an all-time classic. Yeah, you know, obviously that's definitely one of the fights to watch because both of these guys have fight of the year candidates or contenders in their back pockets. You look at Maestro Kim versus Polaris, one of the best fights of 2016. You look at Damian Brown versus Frank Camacho, one of the best fights of 2017. Now you got these two clashing inside the UFC's octagon. I know for a fact my boy Damien beat down Brown is going to stand and bang until one guy falls. I just don't know for a fact that Maestro is willing to do that. But if he is, Shaq, this could be World War Three, man. So uh, I'm definitely going to be tuning in at Damian Beatdown Brown versus uh, Maestro Kim. But, man, my fight to watch is Ben 10 versus Juicy A Formiga. Look, it's a pick em for a reason. They opened them minus 120 apiece. And this is that, that crossroads fight where, you know, is the prospect Ben... It's over for Formiga if he loses. Is the prospect Ben 10 going to finally rise to that occasion, get that top five spot against the perennial top five guy... 
in Formiga, or is Formiga going to show that, hey, man, if you want to get past me, I'm not just some gatekeeper that you beat. I'm a guy that if you beat me, you legit are a top five talent. And this fight's going to tell us everything we need to know about, you know, the future for both of these guys. So Ben 10 versus Juicy Formiga is my fight to watch. Now, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC uh, UFC Perth? Uh, my fighter to watch is going to be Lee Jingliang. I mean, if he can get this win, that's, what, four impressive wins in a row over all tough guys. And I think he lines himself up for a big fight. Don't forget this guy's only losses are to Nordin Taleb, who, in my opinion, should be in the top 15. And uh, Keitaro, who's top 25, in my opinion. My boy Keitaro brings it every time. So I think his uh, losses are respectable. And I think a win over Jake Matthews in Jake Matthews' is, uh, home country would be perfect for him, man. To go into, you know enemy territory and get a finish that'll be huge for his career and uh he can be that poster boy for asian mma i mean he really can and first of all he's the best chinese fighter of all time tell me a better chinese fighter um, ever yan zhaonan oh yeah one and no versus uh <laughs> seven and two yeah she cashed a 10 play for me. yeah she's the best chick chinese fighter but my boy li jing Liang is the best chinese fighter of all time and you know people like to talk about oh he's prone to the submissions because my boy Taro caught him shaq let me tell you something Keitaro has 15 wins via rear naked choke. Not 15 wins by submission. 15 wins via rear naked choke on his resume. So, you know, that to me is what you consider a specialist. So, yeah, he caught fucking uh, my boy Li Jingliang after a serious war. You know who's someone that's not capable of going through a serious war? Jake Matthews. So I 100% agree when you say that Li Jingliang is the fighter to watch. But for me, man, I got to go with Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, man. Because, you know, it's not often you see a five foot five featherweight going in there and dominating people. If he wins this fight, he's going to have a 17-1 UFC record. And he's taking on a guy that's twice his size. You know, Jeremy Kennedy is absolutely massive. When Jeremy Kennedy gets on top of dudes, no one can get up. So, you know, if Alex Volkanovsky can stop the hype of Jeremy Kennedy, it's going to be a huge win for him and I, I got one more fighter to watch Yoel fucking Romero man you know this is a guy his whole dream has been to be the UFC champion he got so close and he fell short he's beat the who's who he beat Jacare he beat Weidman and by the way Luke beat those guys too but now they got a chance to fight each other the winner of this fight is going to get the undisputed champ Robert Whitaker and uh, I think Yoel Romero is absolutely someone to watch we've never seen an athlete like him ever before in the history of the sport so Yoel Romero is also my fighter to watch well Shaq we did it it's going down this Saturday Sunday if you're in Australia UFC 221 uh, the winner of this main event is going to get a shot at the champ Robert Whitaker I can't wait and uh, make sure uh, you sign up to maxbestseason.com to bestfightpicks.com before UFC Austin like we said because uh, UFC Austin huge opportunity make sure you follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05 make sure you follow me at best fight picks make sure you go to, the, to our new Instagram best fight picks official subscribe to half the battle on iTunes SoundCloud YouTube and Stitcher Shaq and I will be back next week for UFC Austin huge opportunity so until the next time let's cash these bets